Amen. Uh, Easter was great, by the way. I loved Easter. I, I loved the Seder. I loved the community service. I loved preaching at the Seventh-day Adventist. I loved being here with you on a Sunday morning. It really was a great time. Um, uh, yeah, just thank you so much for uh, being a part of that. But today we want to close out this series, uh, Positioned for a Miracle. And I've really enjoyed walking through this series because I believe it's given us an opportunity, at least given an opportunity to those who are willing given us an opportunity to be transformed and changed by God, right? Um, he's not going to force you. He's not going to, you know, just drive it through you. But if your heart is open and soft to his word and to his voice, boy, is he good at transforming and changing his kids. And each week we've allowed our, our hearts to be examined by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's painful, right? Everyone wants the Mickey Mouse version of uh, Christianity, but sometimes there's discipline. Sometimes there's a little bit of pain, hardship, those types of things. But it's for our good, right? Can you trust that the discipline of the Lord is for our good? But it's hard. We're stubborn, right? We're kind of strong-willed. We kind of rub against the God, fight against Him. And, and the sad thing about that is when we're not open to God, then that just means we're going to continue to do what we've always done, right? We're just going to kind of walk through the motions. And, and I don't know about you. I, I do not want to live my life just walking through the motions, right? Just sleepwalking through life. And so the question for all of us this morning, the question for me, the question for you is, are we open to the move of God in our lives? It's a good question, right? Kind of scary question, right? Because when you say I'm open to the move of God in my life, you want him to move how you want him to move, right? I am open to you, God, doing this. But when you actually say, God, I'm just going to trust you and I'm open to your move, whatever that means. That's a little scarier, isn't it? Haven't you noticed that sometimes even after you become a Christian, life can actually get harder because he actually puts you in more challenging situations because with God and the power of God, sometimes he actually asks you to go and do the what? The impossible because he says now you're weak, but in your weakness, I am strong and we're going to go get this thing done. So it's scary to say I'm willing to be open to the move of God. But it's a good question to ask. I was hanging out with two business type people from another church this past week on Tuesday morning and they're given all of their points on a certain subject that they are discussing and, and they were good points. They're smart people. But knowing me, finally I just had to open up my mouth and I said, you know, that is good. But what I want to know is where is God stirring our hearts? And I said, what is he speaking to you? I said, beyond numbers and statistics and contracts, where is God moving? What is he asking you to do to step out in faith and be a part of the impossible? Where is God moving? And it really challenged that room. It challenged the atmosphere of that room. Because I don't know about you, church, but where God is moving, that's where I want to be. Right? I, I want to be where God is moving. I want his eyes. I want his ears. I, I want to see and hear what he is up to. Anyone else? I mean, just, is there a passion in this church? I, I think some of you got this passion, right? It's just whatever he's doing and wherever he is, that's what I'm doing and that's where I'm going to be. And that's why I love this series because these ingredients, these postures, these attitudes, they, if you allow them to flourish in your life, it becomes easier for you to hear God and to see God, to be a part of his miraculous story on this earth. I was thinking about these ingredients this week and I was asking the Lord to help me with each one of them. You, you, you got to have a time with the Lord beyond Sunday, right? And so I'm just spending some time with the Lord. Lord, search my heart, examine my heart, help me. Because I am very much 
still in process with every one of these things. But, yeah, I know, I agree. But, you know, I, I focused this week, it's something a little different, I focused on the opposite of each one of these ingredients. And I was like, what is the opposite of these ingredients? So the opposite of humility would be pride, right? So I want to do that today. I want to walk us through what I did this past week on my own. And, and as I do, evaluate these ingredients in your own life. Again, dangerous, scary, challenging, maybe even a little painful, but it's so good because God works it out for our good. So listen to this. The Holy Spirit is here. I, I just believe that He's willing to help us to change us, but we've got to be open. You've got to be willing. Anyone ready to just say yes to God today? Yes, God. Okay. So you might, if you um, are taking notes, write these down. I mean, again, it's not just a Sunday morning religion, right? So write them down. Take these with you through the week. Examine your heart. Examine your life. First one, humility. So the opposite of humility would be pride. There's a lot in the Bible about pride, isn't there? A lot, right? The, the pride that we have says, I don't need God, right? I, I got this. Right? I, I can do this life on my own. Humility? Oh God, help me. Oh God, I need you. God, save me. Rescue me. Deliver me. I, I wave the white flag. I surrender. Right? We struggle with that though. Look at pride. James 4, 6. He, God says He opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the humble. Don't you want to be in the favor of God? I mean, I, I like that scripture. It's like, okay, sounds good to me. He goes on four verses later says, Humble yourselves, life spring. Humble yourself, Pastor Dan, before the Lord. And what? He's going to lift you up. You've heard this one before. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. Man, I have lived that one out. Anyone else? Man, I have. Right? And then, like, man. I tell you, right? Again, right. And then you just, you're, you're in there with the pigs, right? <laughs> Eating with the pigs. You're like, man, how did I get here? How did I get here? Pride is so dangerous. I, I believe for many people, a lot, a lot of people, maybe most people, it's pride that keeps them from truly being used by God in miraculous, supernatural ways. It is a roadblock to freedom. Pride, it's like a wall that keeps the river of His Spirit from truly, freely flowing in your life. If you struggle with pride, surrender it to the Lord this morning. Humble me, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Right? Not my will, but yours be done. Obedience. The opposite of obedience. What's the opposite of obedience? Disobedience. We either had practice of that as kids or we have practice with that as parents. Right? The... As kids, we're really good at being disobedient. But then we think something magical is going to happen when we become an adult, right? Where now we're just going to obey everything. But we still disobey, right? It's just, it comes naturally, right? Outside of Christ, outside of the saving work of Jesus Christ, disobedience comes naturally. I've been reading through the book of Judges this past week. Our reading plan right now is going through Judges. What a crazy book the book of Judges is. Um, if you haven't read it before, read it. Um, but you might want to talk to someone about it because there's some pretty um, intense things that go on in that book. But God asks His people, especially in the Old Testament, you see this again and again, right? He asks His people, His children, to what? To obey Him, right? To follow His commands. How good are they at that? <laughs> right? 
They turn away from God again and again and again. Don't you ever just, you're like, not again. Oh, you just want to shake some of them, right? And I, there's this Sam uh, or Saul. Remember Saul? They, they wanted a king. They didn't need a king, right? They had God, but they're like, give us a king. God, okay, I'll give you a king. So he gives them Saul. But then listen to what happened. Samuel appoints him as king. But then he doesn't do what the Lord commands him in, in regards to burnt offerings. And so in 1 Samuel thirteen fourteen, Samuel declares, But now your kingdom, Saul, it shall not endure. The Lord has sought out, sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. Why? Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And this is a story that's repeated again and again. And as much as you find it in the Bible, it is found today. In fact, in my heart, outside of Christ's rule and reign, in my flesh, because of the effects of sin. Guess what? I don't want to obey God. You know how much I want to rebel against God? I mean, I want to rebel against God. And newsflash, you do too. That's who you are outside of Christ. If you didn't, you wouldn't need a Savior. Right? You'd just be this perfect, awesome person. You're like, oh, Savior too? Now I'm even better. Yeah. No. You are disobedient. You are rebellious at your core. Sin is a rebellion. Until you, there's such a gospel right now that is preaching without sin being ever talked about. Until you understand the depravity of your sin, that you are in rebellion to God outside of Christ. You don't need a savior. But he has saved you from what? Disobedience. And even now, think about it. Do you still disobey every once in a while? Yeah, you do, right? But hallelujah for the cross. Right? Hallelujah for Jesus. Hallelujah for the price that he paid. Hallelujah for God's grace that came and saved you, rescued you from your disobedience. But yet there's still this call to obey. John 14, 23, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. If you love me, you're going to obey my commands. But we wrestle with that, don't we? Because we know we disobey him from time to time. But again, praise the Lord for his prize. While we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what I want to say today about the opposite of obedience is some of us are willingly disobeying. Right? But sometimes when you just like, you screw up, right? Man, I'm, I'm sorry. But some of us, if we're honest, we know what we're doing. And yet we're still doing it. And this is dangerous. It, 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 it begins to be the spirit of disobedience. And it runs rampant through your life. Disobedience spreads. Have you noticed that? You, you begin to disobey the Lord in one area and you'll begin to disobey Him in several areas. It's why you must live radical lives where you say, in faith, I will not compromise in any area. Have you seen the slippery slope if you compromise in one area, disobey in one area? I mean, have you seen this with somebody else? Somebody that is just on fire for the Lord, right? Just on fire for the Lord. And then you see that area where they're beginning to compromise or they say, you know, Pastor Dan, it's okay and it's not a big deal and I can handle this. And three months later, boom, they're gone. Have you noticed that? And then the next time you see them, it's like you're almost talking to a different person. Have you ever been a part, part of that? I have so many times. So don't play around with disobedience. If, if there's an area where you're disobeying the Lord, run to Jesus today. Thank God for His grace. Repent and praise Jesus that He would accept you today. He would allow you to turn to Him. There's such an availability by His Spirit for all of us to turn to Him today. So any area of disobedience, just turn to Him today. Say, God, I repent. I turn from my wickedness and I, I'm here to obey you once again. So disobedience is a big deal. Please, 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 please do not give yourself permission to disobey the Lord. 
Next ingredient is giving. The idea is that not, it's not a money talk. It's just that you give the Lord your life. And you don't wait till tomorrow to give the Lord your life. You give the Lord when? You give the Lord your life right now. And you don't wait till you have it all figured out, right? You don't wait till you've overcome the drug addiction or you've gotten out of debt or you have kids. You know, so many of my, my buddies from high school and college, right? Just living it up. But like, oh, but, but when, you know, I have, when I'm married, I'll, I'll totally, you know, settle down and I'll, you know, go to church and that kind of thing. Yeah, right. Whatever. Like, <laughs> not as such a, you're married. Guess what? You're still not going to go to church. You have kids. Guess what? You're still not going to go to church. No, you give the Lord what you have right now. You don't wait until you're no longer depressed or anxious or discouraged, right? So many of us will wake up on a Sunday morning. We don't feel good. We're like, oh, man, I can't even go to church. When where else would you want to be when you don't feel good or when you're sick than a place where God and his people are here to encourage you, to support you, to pray for you. And God's spirit is here to heal you, to restore you. Ah, somehow the enemy has just tricked our minds into such silly thinking in regards to that. So give the Lord your life right now. But that's not easy to do. So hard or so easy to say, but much harder to do. And and the opposite of giving, I would just say, is not giving. Right. It's keeping it to yourself. Right. I'm not going to give. And that's kind of what we naturally do outside of Christ. Right. I don't want to give. We're not good at giving ourselves to the Lord. Why would I give myself to the Lord? It's going to be messy. It's going to be scary. I don't know what he's going to do. What is that? That is what we call control. Right? We want control. If we give our lives to the Lord, guess who's in control? God. I don't know about that. So we keep it to ourselves. Control. Right? It's my life. My life. But Jesus says, what is he? he says, let it go. Give it up. Follow me. Follow me. Uh, Luke chapter 14. Radical passage. I, I couldn't understand it as a kid. Um, in fact, I couldn't understand it and I couldn't stand it. I just, this verse, I just thought it was the worst verse in the Bible. Can you just take it out? I thought Jesus was nuts. But the older I get, I kind of get what he's, what he's saying. And, and I want to share this with you. It's just this idea that nothing compares to following him. Nothing should compare to him having everything that I am. So listen to this, that we lose everything for him. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, turning to, to, to them, Jesus speaks. And when Jesus speaks, you listen. And he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it, they'll ridicule you. Saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Wouldn't you first sit down, consider what he is able to do with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, those who do not give up everything, say everything with me. <laughs> You're like, man, I wish this wasn't in the Bible. Like, it is. <laughs> Those who aren't willing to give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. It's amazing. One, to give up everything to God, you have to trust that He's good, right? Trust that He's loving. Trust that He's for you, not against you. Trust that He has a plan for your life. Trust that He has prepared a place for you in heaven. So if you happen to die tomorrow, that you actually get to have 
a pretty amazing eternity with Him. You have to have a trust and faith in Him, don't you? It says, unless you're willing to give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. You know, when I read passages like that, that's a time when you just say, God, help me, right? God, just help me. Work on my heart. Help me, God. Work, work on my heart. And so I just say that this morning. God, just work on our hearts in that area. We're all in process, right? But show us what it means to give up everything. Receiving. You must be willing to receive from the Lord. Well, how do you receive? You receive by His Holy Word and His Holy Spirit. His Word and His Spirit. The opposite of receiving would kind of just being cold, right? Indifferent to the Lord, maybe hardened to the Lord, hardened to His Word, unwilling to listen to His Spirit. It's the stubbornness, right? The stubbornness that says, you know what, God? I don't want to receive from you. <laughs> I don't want to show a van, but I do want to ask you, has anyone here ever struggled with the attitude of the heart that just says, you know what? I don't want to hear from you right now, God. You ever done that? Don't show your hand, but... Come on, right? Uh, man, I mean, and, and there's a lot of reasons we do that, right? And, and serious reasons. There's hurts, there's pain, there's heartbreak, there's anger, right? There, there's just these things, these intense things that just close us off to God. You know, God, I'm tired of you right now. I, I don't want to hear from you right now. I'm done. Well, if that's you this morning, and, and we've all been there before, he would just gently say to you this morning that his word is still true. And His Spirit is still alive. And if you turn to Him, if you receive from Him, guess what? He's going to fill you up this morning. A cup overflowing with His grace and His love. Isn't that good? That even if that's how you came in this morning, like, I'm not going to receive from the Lord. You can come this, this morning and go, you know what, God? I got all these things, these things that I have against you, these offenses towards you, God. I'm just going to lay them down. I'm going to trust you again. And I'm going to receive from you. And what does God do? He says, all right. He gives you His Word. He gives you His Spirit. Hallelujah. John 4.14, I love this in, in ideas of receiving. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> Did you see that? A pretty, I mean, there's some pretty amazing things there. He gives you the Holy Spirit so that you will never thirst again. That you might have inside of you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Isn't that great? The image of that. This vibrant, flowing, free life. And so this morning, the opposite of receiving, it's kind of you just stopping the river, right? You building the dam, right? <laughs> you know what? You were flowing in my life, but I'm tired of the flow. Well, this morning, it might be scary, it might be dangerous, it might be a, a step of faith, but you might have to say, you know what, God? Let the river flow again. I, I receive from you. Break the dam open. Let it flow. All right, expecting, expecting that you would expect God to do what only He can do. The opposite of that, that you don't expect God can do anything, right? That God is powerless. And even if He is powerful, He wouldn't ever do anything on my behalf or the, on behalf of His people. Right? Just a powerless God. Indifferent God. It kind of reminds me of the Israelites after they're freed from Egypt. Do you remember what they said? I, I love the Egyptians. They, they kind of whine like I whine. Um, listen to this. Exodus chapter 14. They, they say to Moses, do you remember this? This is so good. He goes, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we, Moses, Moses didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Such 
Yeah, man, I can relate to that kind of whining. But what is it? They're saying, you know, it would have been better for us to die there. They're not expecting God to actually move right now, right? They're saying, man, we are in trouble. I was thinking of another word, but we're in trouble. And we just need to, you know, go back to Egypt. They do not expect the Lord to do anything. And so, have you noticed that when you don't expect God to do anything, you begin to complain? You begin to argue? You begin to gripe? Is that your attitude towards God? Right? Is your attitude where you just complain to God? Or you don't expect and believe that He would actually do what He says He's going to do? That leads me to the next ingredient. Belief. Belief. Do you actually believe in God? I've said the word faith many times today. Faith is kind of what it's all about. Do you have a faith in God? And not just in word, right? It's one thing to call yourself a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. It's a whole other thing to actually live as a Christian, right? To say, oh yeah, I have faith in God. Our faith in God is an active faith, right? It's not just word, but it's indeed, it's, it's what we do. Our faith is put into action. But then there's the opposite of that, isn't there? The opposite of believing in God. The opposite of putting our faith in God. It's unbelief. It's a lack of faith. Now, I just want to say this without being harsh, but it's true. It is hard to be positioned for a miracle with a lack of faith. And if you don't believe that God can do it. It's just hard. Again, it's a roadblock. It's a, it's a wall to the flow of God's river, the flow of His supernatural presence in your life. Because again, our relationship with God, it's all about faith. Abraham, remember Abraham declared righteous. Why? Because of his faith. As Christians, we have to decide where are we going to put our faith. You, you believe in something, right? Bob Dylan said you're going to serve somebody, right? Who are you going to put your faith in? Are you going to put your faith in God? Many times in my own life, I'm going to put my faith in who? Me. Or maybe you begin to put your faith in the things of this world. Who are you going to put your faith in? A more specific question would be, are you going to put your faith in God or are you going to put your faith in money? That's a big one for us, right? Especially in America. We love money in America. And sometimes we worship money. I'm fine if you have money or if you don't have money, but when it becomes an idol in your life, something that consumes your time and your attention and your focus, where you're actually spending most of your day, not to worship God, not to praise God, but just to earn some money. Who are you serving? Who do you have your faith in? Jesus is pretty clear on what he thinks about all of this. You know, Jesus, read the Bible. He talks a lot about money. Have you noticed that? We, it's so weird. And then when we preach about it, we preach completely the opposite of what he talks about. But anyways, that's a whole other rabbit trail. But listen to this. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Again, this is Jesus' words. When Jesus speaks, we should listen. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Say this with me, church. You cannot serve both God and money. Say that again. You cannot serve both God and money. Are you sure, God? (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. So many times we make Christianity, we... We like to take this verse and this passage and this, but we don't look at that verse. We don't look at that verse, right? We create our own religion. But I love it when you just have to read it and go, man, this is what he said. This is what he said. 
And so if that's what he said, then we have to ask the question, who are we going to serve? Every one of us in this room right now, just ask that question. I'm asking that question, all right? Even I wrestle with it. I mean, let's be honest. I'm human. I'm, I got a lot of flesh hanging on me. Who am I going to serve? Pastor Dan, who are you going to serve? Every one of you, just in your name. Who am I going to serve? Who am I going to believe in? Who am I going to put my trust in? Who am I going to put my faith in? God or the things of this world? God or money? God or myself? It's tough. It's not easy. All right, these are some of the things that you've got to wrestle with. But some of us, we have such a tight grip on our money. Like just this fear has enveloped us. And we have this tight grip on money. A tight grip on possessions. A tight grip on the things of this world. It's amazing how this tight grip, it just keeps the supernatural move of God from truly flowing in your life. But when you surrender, when you let go, the river begins to flow. You know how I know this? Because there's wise people, much wiser than me, who have lived longer on this earth, who are hilarious with their money, ridiculous with their money. I mean, they just give and give and give and they give of their life. And I see how God is using them and blessing them. So even when I'm like kind of doubting, like, well, I don't know, God, I see these legends of faith and I go, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Isn't that good? That's why I love the the body of Christ and, and different people and different parts of the process, because I can be encouraged by others. They believe in God. They trust God. Who are you going to believe in? Who are you going to have faith in? Sometimes we struggle with unbelief. You know, we all do, and that's fine, but I think that's kind of when uh, Sean and I were talking about this, that we have to speak out loud. Sometimes we just try to win the battle in our minds, and have you noticed that when you are having that battle in the mind, it goes till 2, 3, 4 in the morning, and you're wrestling with God. Sometimes you just have to speak things out. And I love, there's, there's this uh, passage in the Bible where the man says, Lord, I believe, and then he says, help me in my unbelief, right? Help my unbelief. Some of us just need to say that. Like, man, I'm really struggling to believe right now, God. In fact, I have a lot more questions than answers. But God, right now, I'm going to exercise my faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? And actually say that out loud. I believe. Help my unbelief. This is the story. Listen to this. A man, he goes, teacher, I, I brought my son. He's possessed by a spirit. He was robbed of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. This is violent church. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive this one out, but they could not. And he says, you unbelieving generation, unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring that boy to me. They brought him to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He falls to the ground, rolls around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus said to the boy's father, How long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Oh, this is intense, church. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, do you see the exercising of faith? If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, Jesus. He says, If I can... Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, This is should sometimes this just needs to be the cry of our, our heart story. And and I just say this, audible, audible, say it out loud with the words that God has given you. Sometimes we have to cry out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That is such a vulnerable, real, transparent, and awesome statement of faith. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene. He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed and violently came out. The boy looked like a corpse. They thought, man, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Jesus had gone indoors. The disciples are like, man, why couldn't we drive this out? And he said, this kind can come out only by prayer. 
such a powerful story. Right? If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So beautiful to me. And maybe you're struggling with unbelief. And you need God to do the impossible. Today, man, what a beautiful opportunity today. Cry out to God. Exercise your faith. Say, I do believe. I do believe. Jesus, I do believe. Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. And then today, the last ingredient we're going to talk about, it's serving. And I love this. And we're going to close with this. It's the posture of being a servant. And specifically, I want to talk about compassionate serving. Compassionate serving. If you want to be positioned for a miracle, you have to have the heart of Christ. A heart of Christ. The heart of Christ that is moved towards compassion. And then out of that compassion, you serve one another. And this ingredient of serving, it really does have to be compassionate serving. Everyone say compassionate. <laughs> because if you are not moved with compassion while you're serving, watch out, right? That is a dangerous person to be around. I, I would call them a bitter servant. One who lacks compassion. You, you've been around them before, right? Griping about everything, griping about everyone, snide remarks here and there, talking behind people's backs, throwing in little zingers. You know that person that just loves to put in the little zinger the whole time? They're making these little comments, you know, like nobody knows what I do around here. All these ungrateful little, mm, if they only knew what I was doing, what would they do without me? Oh man, they would miss me if I was gone. Right, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you know those types of people, right? You're not that person, you just know that type of person. But come on, that kind of surfing, and we've, we've all dabbled into that. That kind of serving, it's toxic. Toxic. It is not going to set you up well for being a part of God's supernatural plan on this earth if you're going around being a, you know, toxic servant. Serving without a, uh, without a Christ-like attitude, without His compassion, it truly hinders the Holy Spirit's ability to flow through you. Because, right, you're not going to see the fruit of the Spirit out of that person. You're not going to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control coming out of that person. But if you serve with compassion, again, hard, church, right? But in Christ, we can do this, right? Christ can help us do this. If you serve with compassion, more, more specifically, compassion of Jesus, you are primed to be used supernaturally. God loves to perform miracles in and through people who serve and minister from His heart, who are moved with His compassion. Being a servant is so important as a Christian. It puts us in a healthy posture. Servanthood, it puts us in a posture of humility, and it puts us in a posture of obedience. It's this attitude, right? It's where you actually put others above yourselves. That's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 talks about, right? That you think of others more highly than you think of yourself. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 through 9, in your relationships with one another. So church, in your relationships with one another, think about the person to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as who? As Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That's such a good passage. I mean, I, I will never get tired of reading that passage all my life. This incredible passage, it tells us that in the beginning, have a relationship with one another. And in that relationship, we are to have what? The same attitude, the same mindset as Christ. The same 
attitude as Christ. And what was his attitude? What was his mindset? He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. And you see this in Jesus, don't you? When you read the Gospels, don't you love Jesus in the Gospels? Everywhere he went, he'd speak a message to repent and to believe in him, right? He preached about the kingdom of God. But his ministry, what I love about Jesus, his ministry is more than words, isn't it, right? His words are, are, are part of it. But then he also served those whom he ministered to. Often the Bible tells us that he's moved to compassion, right? And what happens after he is moved to compassion? That's when he heals people. That's when he sets people free from demonic oppression and bondage. That's when he gives people their sight. That's when he allows people to walk. The Bible says he would be moved to compassion. The Bible tells us in the, in the, and when Lazarus is dead, he has moved to compassion to such an extent. We talked about that in men's breakfast yesterday morning. He's moved to such an extent that what? It says Jesus wept. And then out of his weeping, out of that compassion, out of that move, what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. He gave himself physically, emotionally, spiritually to serve others. We're to have that same mindset, church. And when we do, this is when you see the greatest miracles. It's these moments of great sacrifice. Sacrifice of time, sacrifice of money, of energy, of comfort. All to make a difference in somebody else's life. This is when you see the greatest miracles. I really want us to get this. This, can be, this is a game changer, church. Compassionate servanthood. It's not a side issue with Jesus. It's one of the foundations of his ministry. Do you remember when he sat down and he took the scroll from Isaiah? Remember, and he, and he, and he quotes the, 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 the scroll of Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he's quoting this powerful scripture from one of the prophets. And by quoting it, what is he saying? He's saying, That's me. Here I am. I'm here to bring good news to the poor. I'm here to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm here to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's me. I'm here. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you see the compassion in that, in that passage? He has compassion for the poor, compassion for the brokenhearted. Do you see this, church? Compassion for the captives, compassion for the prisoners. Do you see the compassion? Church, I believe we're still in that day. We're still in the year of the Lord's favor. He's still doing this, right? He is still serving others. I believe it is his heart to still do what he quoted from Isaiah. Truly miraculous things. But here's the glory for us sitting in these pews on a Sunday morning. He actually wants to do these things through us. Whoa. We are actually to have the same mindset of Christ, the same attitude of Christ, and the mindset of Christ is to serve the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, and the prisoners. I, I believe so strongly that He is right now resourcing us by His Holy Spirit, giving us everything we need so that we, you and I, can compassionately serve others. I'm reminded of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 men. The disciples remind Jesus that it's a remote place, and Jesus, could you please send the people away so they can get something to eat? And I believe the disciples, they're genuinely concerned about the people. But, right, they don't want them to go hungry. But Jesus is also genuinely concerned about the people. And his idea, his approach is a little different than the disciples' approach, right? They say, Jesus, you've got to send these people away. He says, I'm not going to send them away. Actually, you're going to feed them. Right? It's one thing to see a need. 
another to do something about it. Right? And let's remember, when you've got Jesus, like the disciples had Jesus, then you have to have the confidence that you have all the resources you need to do the impossible. But it does take a step forward in sacrifice and in service to compassionately serve those around you. Because when did the power come? When did the miracle happen? It happened when the disciples took a step forward and started actually serving, started actually handing out the fish and the loaves. There is a dynamic flow of kingdom power. This is a game changer. There is a dynamic flow of kingdom power and kingdom resource that takes place when God's people begin to take a step forward and serve others with compassion and with faith. This is when the miracle happens, church. When we step out with the power of God and we serve one another with the compassion, with the heart of Jesus Christ. And I love that. That's what I love about this church. That's what I loved about coming home from Ghana and seeing all of you. Because this is a place. I I believe that so strongly. I see it in you. I see it happening in you. I see it happening through you. And I see its effect in this community. And and don't you just get goosebumps when you think about this is only the beginning of what God wants to do in the greater communities of Fife, Milton, and Edgewood. And as you continue to serve one another, you're going to see amazing miracles. And isn't it just awesome when you think about... I mean, anyone... Sean had an opportunity yesterday. We were talking about something and he had an opportunity to be a part of something. And just the privilege, the honor of being a part of God's supernatural plan on this earth. But it has to come from your willingness to serve the community and not just serve them, not just do a task, but do it with love and compassion. The Apostle Paul, this is powerful, Galatians 5, 6. Listen to this. He says... All that matters is faith, comma, expressed through love. So it's about faith, but like we talk about often, it's an active faith, right? Well, what does the activity look like? What does it look like? It looks like love. Christianity, it's about faith. But let your faith move you toward love, toward compassion. The only kind of faith that matters is a compassionate love. Doctors Ted and Sue Ulbrich, some of you might know them, they're four-square missionaries in Cambodia, have planted thousands of churches in Cambodia, built orphan homes. They've experienced over a half a million people come to Christ through their ministry. They shared their story at the National Convention last year. Their, their ministry, it all started because of their faith and their compassion to serve, I'm telling you, church, just a few orphans and a few widows. Which, by the way, gives me goosebumps when I think about the money we just sent to begin uh, building uh, the orphanage in Ghana. Like, come on now. Um, It started so small, but it started with loving, compassionate serving. And their ministry of compassion and serving, it has truly opened the doors for the power of heaven to flow in that nation. Hallelujah. Over a half a million people have come to the Lord as they started by just compassionately serving a few widows and orphans. It makes me think of, uh, I, I said this last week, I just love this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the Bible tells us we're water pots, right? He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, right? We're not so great in and of ourselves, but what we carry is amazing. Ted Albrick, he's a jar of clay. But man, when he's filled with the power of God, right? When he chooses, you know, I could choose to be filled with anything in this world, but I choose to be filled with the power of God. 
It's amazing what you can do when you choose to be filled with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Because then you can be poured out, right? Poured out in Christ's compassion, Christ's love, Christ's attitude of servanthood and humility. Wow, look at what God can do. Poured out through the country of Cambodia. But that's for us too, church. We are jars of clay, the Bible tells us. Why? To show that all-surpassing power is from who? From God and not from us. Love that. I hope we get this picture this morning. As jars of clay, we carry the presence of the Lord with us. Church, we carry the presence of the Lord with us. Church, we carry the presence of the Lord with us. Church, we carry the presence of the Lord with us. And then we release it when we serve others. Another way of looking at it is a great story from the New Testament and worship team, if you'd come up. It's the story of Jesus and a donkey. Jesus, he's making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem just before his crucifixion. He tells his disciples, disciples, I need you to go into town, find a donkey that's tied up. You're going to untie it and bring it to me. If anyone questions you, just say the Lord has need of it. And this was to fulfill a prophecy. This is significant because a donkey, if you look up the dictionary definition of a donkey, a donkey is a beast of burden. A donkey is a servant. It is an animal used to carry heavy loads. And yet here a donkey is carrying who? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on his back. The story goes on to say that Jesus went into the temple. Listen, he went into the temple and the blind and the lame came to him and the blind and the lame, they were healed. I want you to think about this though. Who carried Jesus to this place of miracles. It was a donkey. A donkey. A donkey (laughs) made his way into the Bible. A donkey. Life spring. I believe you and I, we can too find a place in God's story, in God's narrative, as we humbly carry Jesus where he needs to go. Again, jar of clay. What are we being filled up with? Filled up with the power of God. Wherever we go, the power of God goes and then we can be poured out. Wherever we go, we carry Jesus with us. We got Jesus on us and in us. We're hidden in Christ and we're also have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Come on, this is powerful, right? You're more powerful than you understand and what you even can imagine because the all-surpassing power of God is in you. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You have a choice. You can either make it about me, myself, and I, the holy trinity of selfishness, or you can pour it out, compassionately serve others. So this morning, I would just challenge all of us with this, as he had challenged me this week. Where is Jesus asking you to carry him to? Where is he asking you to be poured out? To the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the captive, to the prisoner? To those who mourn? Where has God called you to have the same mindset as Christ? The same attitude as Christ? Let's be sensitive to His leading in this. We must be filled with His Word, filled with His Spirit, so that we can have new eyes, new ears to see and to hear what He is doing and what He's up to. Right? You want to be where He is, right? I want to be where He is. Where are you moving, God? I want to be where you are, God, because I want to be a part of your miraculous, supernatural plan on this earth. Anybody else feel that way this morning? I know I do. I am so excited to be a part of what God is doing in this community. That we would have the same mindset as Christ, the same attitude as Christ. And where He moves, we move. What He does, we do. And we would be poured out, filled with His power. And wherever we go, we got the power of Christ within us. We got the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we let it flow. And we see the miraculous, supernatural plan of God just like a wave just wash over this entire community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I was thinking this week how amazing it would be if we could all make that commitment.
this morning to compassionately serve those who God places in front of us to serve. An active faith that is expressed in love. Again, just can we agree, church, can we agree as a people that we will be the ones who show compassion, not just earthly, worldly compassion, but the compassion of Jesus to the world around us. Can we make that commitment, church? I believe we can. I believe we will. This has been a wonderful series, a powerful series. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And with it being the end of the series, we have the prayer room available one more time. And I just want to encourage you. And again, it's just outside these doors. You go out that door, you walk down that path, and we got some prayer, prayer people uh, in the back that are willing and ready and able to pray for you. I mean, just as you go down this list of postures, ingredients, attitudes, there's all areas where we can grow, right? This isn't to condemn us or to shame us, but it's to set us free in these areas. Right? Some of us, we, we know what our heart is like and we want to be set free in this area. There are people who want to pray with you, to stand with you for your freedom. And so I just love it if we could pack that room out today. And so we're going to sing this song. And, and, and if you want to stand with me, we're going to sing this song together. Uh, and, and, and while we're singing and while we're, uh, when I said stand with me, that means you can stand. Um, stand with me. While we're singing, if you want to pr- be prayed for, I just encourage you during this song, go back uh, into that room. Uh, just expect God to perform a miracle. And, and then let's sing together this amazing song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.